This is a show about content marketing for established course creators. Unlike other shows about marketing, we focus on sustainable, measurable content creation. How to authentically automate your marketing to build up your know, like, and trust factor with a nurtured, engaged audience. And get back to actually living your life instead of working to live. Hey, hey, friends. We're going to be talking about curiosity and content today. And I'm going to start off by talking about a hula hoop. Yes, that child's toy. Sometimes that adult friend's toy, you look at them and you're like, how are you doing this? But anyway, I digress. Let's think about the hula hoop. You start. You move your hips. It flings around. And if you keep the momentum going, the hula hoop also keeps going. If you start losing rhythm, the hula hoop slowly loses ground and then all of a sudden quickly falls. Now, let's move on from the hula hoop analogy and think about that in terms of content or website traffic or any of those things that we're on a regular base bringing into our business. So the hula hoop falling, in website analytics terms, we call that bounce. Someone comes to your site and they bounce right off without engaging in further content. HubSpot calls this a flywheel. A flywheel being a thing that starts out really hard to move, but as you get it going, it takes less and less effort. The momentum, like the hula hoop, keeps it going. So the question is, how can we do this in our content? How can we create this natural momentum-building curiosity that, say, fills your program before you launch it? The answer is open loops. What is an open loop? That's the next question, right? An open loop is a storytelling device used to create suspense and tension and provoke an audience's curiosity. The storytelling style is very particularly effective due to humans' natural inclination towards curiosity. And your audience is no different. We want to bridge the gap between what we know and what we want to know. That is the human condition. That is our instinct. By expanding on this curiosity, content creators can create tension and the same feeling of an epic cliffhanger that keeps viewers engaged and wanting more. So let's talk about a few areas where you regularly experience these open loops. The first is email subject lines because they do depend heavily on curiosity. So content creators are no stranger to using curiosity to encourage a call to action. For those who use email marketing regularly, knowing how to write and use subject lines isn't just a nice skill. It is an absolute must in today's world. As I have said before in previous episodes, give them a reason to keep reading even if it's just to see how Brittany can possibly tie this line into a marketing email. Many of the best subject lines are curiosity-driven. Some of my personal best-performing emails are attention-grabbing with a strong hook. A few examples. A listicle-style hook that leaves the audience wondering what that third bullet could possibly be. Another one is using a celebrity or a pop culture reference that aligns with your topic. And then finally, using a word in a way it's not normally used. This could be a pun. This could just be a play on words. The goal here is to pique your audience's interest just enough to get them to take the next step. That step being opening the email instead of deleting it. I mean, actually, that's the goal of every marketing step, but doubly so for an email subject line. Now, if you're not regularly committed to email marketing yet, then I'm going to say take a cue from shows like Ozark or The Handmaid's Tale. This is for you if you're like me. If Netflix and binge 
actually means chilling on your couch and then watching episode after episode of shows like Ozark, powering through the entire season until suddenly you realize it's 2.17 a.m. and you definitely have to be awake at 7. Hey, I'm not going to judge. I have been there. (laughs) In fact, you can take a cue, if you're used to this, from those bingeable seasons. Even older sitcoms like Friends occasionally had two-part episodes where they left us hanging, yearning for next week so we could see the outcome. Or worse, leaving the whole season on a cliffhanger. We all remember those, right? Back in the old TV days. The open loop concept is often used as a cliffhanger or plot point, leaving the story unresolved until the next season. And the reason for shows, particularly ones meant for streaming services, use the open loop technique so often, it's because their primary goal is to keep you watching. Since you know you can watch the next episode anytime, and they want you to do it right now, they're going to use those open loops at the end of each episode to keep you moving into the next one. It pushes up against that natural human tendency to fulfill your curiosity and keep you watching. So here's your hot tip of the day that has nothing to do with marketing. The next time this happens to you, stop watching 10 minutes into the next episode when the cliffhanger is more or less resolved and go catch some Z's. Sleep helps you do a better job at work, I promise. All right, off my soapbox there. Let's talk a little bit about how open loops keep your audience coming back. This is an ethical hack, if you will. Because in addition to open loops keeping you watching a show, they keep your audience returning to your content. When you surprise people and then deliver on that surprise, you add a little bit of delight into their life and people like delight. Unsurprisingly, digital marketing has caught on to this concept. They're using the Hollywood tricks of open loops and shows in everything from copywriting on emails to sales pages and even in infographics. It's always about leaving you wanting more. One of the early marketers I learned about way back in my like pre-content days was Jeff Walker and his product launch formula. Now, I never bought his course, but it was a master study on open loop marketing. The very concept that you had to wait till tomorrow for his next video was peak curiosity. When you intentionally leave that loop open, you can do this. You can get your audience thinking and pondering. If you use this method to launch, of course, you're going to want to make sure you close those initial loops or you're going to lose trust. But the whole point is when you leave people wanting more, they willingly come back for more. That is one of the psychological effects of opening a loop. Now, I often discussed connecting the dotted lines between where your best client is right now, where they want to be, and where you are. So if we can make a visual here, not a hula hoop this time, I promise, but think about it in terms of a road trip that you're going to map on Google. Let's say you're starting out in Seattle and you're going to make it to Oregon at some point. You want to stop at the really cool Chihuly Glass Museum in Tacoma on the way. There's a really cool bridge there, by the way, if you haven't seen it, it's gorgeous. And then maybe you want to go to Mount Rainier and then you're going to finally head south to Oregon. So you've got a vague idea of your route, but until you plug it all into Google Maps, it's just a vague dotted line style idea. You know For you to get there, you're going to need a solid path so you know where you're going and about how long it will take. Let's say you're meeting someone down in Oregon once you get there, right? So until you enter the stops in the maps program, there's a gap between what you know and what you want to know. And that gap is everything to your best client. That gap is an itch they have to scratch. Your content's goal is to move your people to Oregon. Yeah, They're going to want some stops along the way. And each stop is a bit of an open loop all by itself until they've experienced it. And then you can start the next open loop that gets them to the next step. 
So back to our analogy, our road trip here. From the Glass Museum, you're going to drop a hint that those t-shirts and cutoffs they're wearing right now are not going to cut it up on Mount Rainier, even though it's August. You open up the curiosity in their minds. Why am I wearing t-shirts right now and it's okay, but it won't be on Mount Rainier? Surely it's still somewhere everywhere, right? And now they have to go check it out. That's how you use your content to move your best client along the buyer's journey. So I just gave you a bit of a primer on creating an open loop in terms of road trips, right? But let's talk about how to create an open loop in your own business, in your own content. You're going to start with some information you know your best client will find relevant to their current situation. Don't give it all away. You want your best client to feel like you're just about to give them the rest of the information if they proceed and follow your call to action. For content, that call to action can be anything. It can be click here to my blog to find out the rest. It can be click here to my sales page, see if the program's a good fit for you. It can be anything you want, but the point is they're not going to get the rest of the information until they follow that call to action. Now, a quick caveat here in case this is all you hear from the episode. I have seven examples of open loops coming up. And while one of them is a teaser, you're not being a tease. You're going to leave that to the upworthy type sites of the world. Your goal is simply for them to read on or to click for more. So now that I teased the tease, a little meta there, let's talk about seven examples of open loops you can use in your content right now, today, moving forward. And I'll start with the teaser just since we've already talked about it. The easiest open loop to employ is a simple teaser. This is really great in long form content where you pause for a moment to explain a concept, tell a story, or you know, otherwise section off a portion of your content. It works really well in the beginning of the piece after describing what's included. I give you a really great example. I told you at the beginning of this episode, we'd be talking about curiosity. And hey, we're going to talk about hula hoops for a little bit, just so we all get the good visual and move on to the rest. That was my teaser right there. It's simple. It's natural. We're already doing this in regular everyday life. Another way I could have done it in this particular episode is I could have said, I'll get back to the psychological reasons open loops work, but first, let's see what Hollywood is doing with them. And then I would go in to talk about, you know, The Handmaid's Tale and Ozark all over again, right? I'm teasing the psychological facts that I'll be sharing, and I'm stopping in with some hard examples that help people understand it in real everyday terms first. That's the teaser. The next open loop that you can use is the in the dark loop. Using words like little known or proprietary give the air of secrecy. And they build authority at the same time. So it's a nice two-hitter there. This one's straight from the elementary school playground, and this technique works. It works so well that first graders are really good at using it, even if it's not always nice the way they do it. So, you know, way back in the day, right? Sally Jane's pithy, well, I know what Sarah thinks about you, but I can't tell you. That's not exactly how we want our audience to feel, but it is a really good visual for how you can use these in the dark loops. This is an easy one to pass off casually in any piece of content. Example, and if you haven't seen my chaos-free guide to content planning yet, you'll want to pick that up so you can finally bring balance to your content creation, right? Am I teasing it? I'm teasing it, but I'm also including some secrecy. Hey, if you haven't seen this yet, you're going to want to see it. Here's a hint at why you want to see it. Now, obviously, click the link. Go do that, right? You're going to create an open loop simply by mentioning something they need to know. The third example here is the not-so-clickbaity loop. And this one's kind of a tricky concept because on the one hand, you don't want to be too bait-like and cheesy with it. We don't want to be like Upworthy like I mentioned earlier or old school, you know, BuzzFeed. Most people are going to recognize this popular example. 
And you'll never guess what happens next. You know, that was like the early days of internet articles that went viral on Facebook, right? That is not the vibe we're going for here. Clickbait can still be classy if used in moderation. You need to focus on providing value while also using some of the strategies that make clickbait so effective. So to do this, be sure you're providing helpful information and don't focus on the shock factor too much. When you do that, you can use what makes clickbait successful without going overboard or turning away any of potential readers with your headline. I use this style, by the way, in my emails announcing my latest podcast pretty often. So here's an example. If you liked that tip, you'll love the other two ways to define your content buckets. They're easy for any course creator to use in their marketing, right? So I shared a tip in the email and then I said, if you liked that, there's two more. You should go check them out in the podcast. That's my clickbait e, my classy clickbait, if you want to call it, way of using this open loop. I also recently described a marketing lesson from a car accident I almost had. I started the video by saying, hey, we're going to talk about all the AI content tools out there, but we're going to talk about it through the lens of what could have been a really awful car accident for me. It's got some peak curiosity going on. It's not going for the shock because I didn't actually say, this car accident changed my life, right? I just said, we're going to look at it through the lens of this. So it really makes the viewer wonder, how is she going to connect those two things? What does an almost car accident have to do with AI tools? That wonder, that curiosity, that gap between what they know and what they want to know is going to get them clicking. Next, let's move on to the number open loop. If you've ever seen a listicle headline, you know this, and I've already used it here. Seven examples of open loops, right? Use the open loop when you've got a good list of relevant items or a strong statistic that's going to invoke some curiosity. So here's some examples. These are all straight from my sales page for the Show Up System 2.0. One, small businesses who regularly use social see 76% in growth over those who don't. And two, social media is the most relevant advertising channel for 42% of millennials. Those are strong statistics telling people why they need to get a system in hand so they can post on social media. I'm using them as a very simple open loop. Hey, are you going to be in the 76% of growth or not? I frame those stats by opening with a teaser loop on that page, by the way. If you want to look at it, I'll put the link in the show notes. I say, here's why spending even just one more day avoiding social media is costing your biz more than consistent sales, but also crushing its growth entirely. And then I go on to list, I think it's four or five different stats that tell them from various different sources. And I actually like give the sources, one's Time Magazine, one's an Adobe study. And I say, this isn't just me saying that you need to get a handle on this. These really big names say it too. All right, that is the numbers one. It's really easy to include almost anywhere. The next one is the understood type of open loop. So the understood loop is when you refer to a concept and assume your audience understands it's already. It is the exact opposite of the loop that leaves people in the dark. Now, this one can be a risky move because if your audience doesn't understand what you're talking about, they may feel left out or even experience some mad FOMO. They're going to likely want to move on to the content that catches them up on what was previously said. So to avoid the bad side of FOMO and just use it, you know, a little bit, provide a callback so your audience can easily access the information they need to keep up with the conversation. Callbacks can be in the form of visuals, links, or really anything else that will help bring them back up to speed on whatever was discussed before. The biggest benefit of this open loop is that it keeps your audience member engaged with your content longer. 
I used this one just the other day. I put a social media post out promoting my content pillars article. And one of the examples in those three ways to create content pillars actually talked about the three M's, make, measure, multiply, as an understood concept in just this way. Only I didn't write make, measure, and multiply. I said, if you have a three-word message like the three M's, this is a great way to set up a content pillar. If they don't know what the three M's are, they get a little bit of that FOMO. They're going to want to click through more of my content to figure it out. The next type of open loop is the Easter egg personality loop. And friends, I might be making this one up like entirely, and I'm going to share it anyway. Why? Because when you decide to move from building an audience to building a community, you're going to end up creating a lot of inside jokes. So you're going to know this is real when you hop on a Zoom call with a potential client and they ask which tea you're drinking today. Did that happen to me yesterday? Yeah, it did. You're going to weave personal details and personality Easter eggs into your content, and that is going to give your audience a sense of ownership. That kind of loyalty is, frankly, impossible to manufacture. It's built over time, and it requires effort. It's going to be built from a small amount of details that grow into a foundation of personality that makes up the you in you. And this is one of those things that isn't necessarily something that will make sense to your entire audience. If they've only just come into your world, they'll just think you're talking about tea rather than realize you're an absolute tea snob and you have an entire kitchen drawer just for tea. Next and final example of an open loop is the imagination open loop. And this is a framing technique. This framing technique creates a powerful open loop for those offering some sort of transformation in their business. So let's say you're a holistic practitioner who helps with uh, seasonal affective disorder symptoms, for example. In that case, you could open up a piece of content by saying, imagine waking up and feeling the energy of a summer day, even in the dismal midst of January. You're creating tension in one line like that. You're painting the picture. You're showing, not telling. You're using strong verbs, delectable descriptions. Here's what you want. Here's where you are now. That is the tension. Those seven examples of open loops, I gave you examples of how my clients use them. I gave you examples of how I use them. When you get good at them, you don't even realize that you're using them. So you might already be using a few of those, and that's wonderful. If you're already using a few, try a new one on for size. See how it goes. Because there are SEO benefits of open loops as well. Curiosity isn't just a human benefit that serves your audience. It also helps your SEO. Search engine optimization is not going to go away anytime soon. So let's embrace it, right? And one key element of SEO is the time a viewer spends on a site after clicking on it from a search engine or landing page or link. Open loops are one way to keep your viewers engaged and spending more time on your site. Open loops give users a reason to stay by providing incomplete references, stories, questions that draw them further into the site via internal linking. These increased engagement situations not only increase buy-in and loyalty, but they also boost SEO as the almighty Google looks at how much time a user spends on your site before moving on to another search result. You are telling Google you're valuable the longer people spend on your site. That will then in turn lead to a lovely cycle of them showing your work more often. So by employing open loops, you can lower your bounce rates and increase user engagement, which again leads to higher rankings for your website and search engines. All right. We've covered a lot already. We've covered how Hollywood uses open loops. We've covered how you can use them in subject lines. I've given you seven hard examples, the SEO benefits. Now let's talk a little bit about where to use open loops. You're going to use them 
really anywhere you create content. So basically, if you're creating something to market your business, use an open loop in it. But specifically, one, long form content. Use them to introduce topics that you're going to cover and then tease further sections of your article or video or podcast. Two, short form content. You're going to close the loop at the end of the content piece sometimes, and then others, you could maybe mention other posts that you can use to create story arcs through your short form content as well. Three, sales pages. You're going to tie your solution to your best client's current predicament with numbers. Four, email subject lines. Well, frankly, they're just going to give you a better open rate. It doesn't matter how good your email is if they're not opening it, right? Five, in your course content, and this one might be a surprise to you. You're going to encourage more purchasers to finish modules and finish the whole course when you build open loops into your content. They're not going to stop at just that one thing they came for, because let's be honest, sometimes people buy a course for just one of the five modules. If you have enough open loops in there and you spark that curiosity within them, you give them more reason to finish the content, which means you have better users and better testimonials, so it becomes better and easier to sell on your next launch as well. So those are five ways to use open loops today, anywhere in your content. I want to give that to you because your loop strategy can be small. It can and should be woven into each content area that you create. It can be as simple as setting up a template on your blog that links to articles on the same topic or as complex as a nine grid on Instagram. Whatever you choose to create in your content marketing strategy, open loops are going to help your audience along the trust building journey. When they move along that trust building journey, you have a more engaged audience that moves more towards the feel of a community rather than just people who casually view you. And you're going to have happier buyers in the end. All right, friends, that's it. That's open loops and curiosity. I would love if you enjoyed this episode to let me know. I know you can thank me in other ways. You can thank me in giving a review. You can thank me by forwarding this podcast episode onto a friend. But if there's something in this episode that really helped you, I would love to hear which part it was. So drop me a line, either message me on LinkedIn, I promise I'll answer, or send me an email, say hi at brittanygardner.com. All right, friends, you know the drill. If you found value from this episode, there are two things you can do to thank me. The first is share it with a friend. If you enjoyed this episode, you learned something from it, odds are you know somebody who needs to hear this message. I do truly believe that a rising tide lifts all boats. And if you help that friend with something that they need to do, we're going to have less crappy marketers out there, which means less scams. And we get to help more people in those ways that we uniquely are meant to help them. The second thing you can do is leave a rating on whichever podcast app you are listening to the show on right now. Doing that helps me reach more people, getting, again, this same great information out there, and we all make a better, happier, effective, and ethical world as a result. Thanks so much. See you next week.